1968, a popular song debuted about a guy who found out through the gossip mill that his girlfriend was planning to dump him for another man. The song was I Heard It Through the Grapevine, and it was the first of three songs that would go on to top the Billboard Hot 100 for Marvin Gaye and his long, distinguished music career. Now we've been going through the Gospel of John together these past few months with TV Church. John 15, where we are today, similarly refers to a grapevine and another hit, so to speak. In John 15, 1, Jesus' words, I am the true vine, are the last of what are called the seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. These I am statements are references to who Jesus truly is, clues that help us see him not just as a man, but also as God in the flesh. When Jesus shares these words with his disciples, it is not only his last night on earth, it is his last few hours. These are quite literally his parting words. This is why it is a little weird when Jesus says what he's going to say here, remain. It's a request by Jesus for his disciples to, to stay connected to him. But he's about to leave. He knows he's about to leave. And he just told them earlier in this conversation that's recorded in John 14, that he is leaving and where he is going, they cannot come. So this begs the question, what is Jesus getting at here? When Marvin Gaye says, I heard it through the grapevine in 1968, people at the time knew what he was talking about. Today, we may know that this is a reference to the gossip mill, but we may not know why. Hearing something through the grapevine became an expression that was widely used in the mid-1800s during the advent of the telegram. Back in those days, people didn't have text messages, but as we do, they found the need and desire to send relatively quick and brief correspondence. Initially, this was done using carrier pigeons, and then after a while, telegrams. To send a telegram, people would go to an office to pay to send a brief note to someone. The message would then be sent over electrical wires to the city in which the person receiving the message lived. Then it was delivered by the telegram company. This required huge poles with lines running from the top of them across the nation, much like how we have telephone poles or power lines today. It was one of the fastest ways to communicate during this time period, and because of that, it was used to spread misinformation. Are you surprised? So if someone heard an item or shocking news, it could be advocated or dismissed as something that was heard through the grapevine, meaning that it was received in a telegram through this network of poles and wires that connected everyone across the nation. Hearing something through the grapevine then came to be slang for something that was maybe unreliable or even worse, related to gossip. And people understood this when Marvin Gaye would use this reference in his song. Now, when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, as he does in John 15, 5, people at the time knew what he was talking about. Palestine, the region in and around where they were, was rich in vineyards that stretched extensively across the area. Jesus' disciples and the earliest hearers of this account would have a pretty thorough knowledge of what is entailed when he mentions vines and branches and pruning. Unfortunately, time and technological advancement have made us a little more unfamiliar than the original audience with what Marvin Gaye was talking about 
And likewise, likewise, we also don't have a robust knowledge of what Jesus was talking about. I have to confess to you, I'm terrible at owning cell phones. I drop my phones all the time, which results in cracked and even shattered screens. One time I had a phone that I dropped so much that something inside of it broke and it simply stopped connecting to the cell towers. I could still use it if I was on Wi-Fi, but it wasn't good for much if I wasn't. Not for calling, texting, or streaming music. I would have to text my wife when I was leaving work to let her know to expect me in 15 minutes and that if I wasn't home by then, she wouldn't be able to call me or see where I was. Everything that we've talked about so far ties in with this word that Jesus uses, remain. You may be familiar with it in other Bible translations as the word abide. It is most often translated from the original written language into English as those words remain or abide, but also as stay or live. To be told to remain or stay is comparable to us telling someone today to stand firm, to live in the moment, or don't be distracted. As I said earlier, it seems odd that Jesus would essentially say, stay with me, when he also has told them that where he is going, they cannot come, and when he knows what is coming in just a few moments. The disciples are about to experience a whirlwind of change in their lives. Twelve hours from this moment, Jesus will be on the cross. Twelve hours after that, he will be in the grave. And twelve weeks from that, he will have resurrected and defeated death, yes, but he also will have ascended to heaven to be physically removed from his disciples for the rest of their time on earth. So how are the disciples to stay with Jesus? He gives the solution to this in John chapter 14, telling them that he will send the Holy Spirit to them. This is one way the disciples will maintain their connection or remain with Jesus. Now we don't live in an age of telegrams with wires running on top of poles across the countryside. And we don't live in the age of vineyards and grapevines dotting our landscape. But we do live in an age of cell phone towers that do dot our landscape. And they work in much the same way. In fact, the term cellular phone comes from the world of horticulture, as in cellular biology. They named it this way because when engineers mapped out the coverage provided by cell towers, it resembled a biological cell. Cell phones are great when they work for what they are intended. The one that I had that wouldn't connect to towers was okay. I could still take pictures with it. And as long as I didn't need to stream anything, I could still play music or use apps. But I couldn't use the phone for its intended purposes. In some sense, this is what Jesus means when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Of course you can do things. Many people have done many great things and not been followers of Jesus, just as I could have still done some things with my broken phone. But I can't meet the purposes that God created me for without Jesus. Phones only work for their intended purposes when they are connected to a tower. And they are only good if someone else is connected to that tower as well. Remember when you were graduating from high school and everyone said, stay in touch. And maybe some of you were able to do that with some of your best friends. But for many of us, that became harder and harder as we went our own separate ways. But with advancements in technology like cell phones and internet, it has become easier and easier. On my phone, I have multiple text threads with multiple friends from different walks of life, friends who I, who I have not seen in years, and yet I remain connected to them 
because I text with them every day. This is one idea that Jesus is getting at. Remain, stay connected, even while physically separated. Stay connected to the source, the vine, or in our day, the cell tower. But remember, the connection is only good if there are others connected too. So we must stay connected to each other as well. But there is one other idea that Jesus is implanting in his disciples' minds with his vine imagery. Mere hours from his death and weeks away from his departure from them altogether. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he, being God, removes. And God prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. The word that is used to describe this removal or pruning process is the Greek word katharos. And it's where we get our English word cathartic or catharsis, which we most often use to describe the psychological and emotional relief that comes from releasing whatever has us feeling like we are on edge. Do you feel like you're on edge? For those of us in North Alabama, we are now one year into COVID lockdowns and masks, a few months removed from a heated political season, and we are awakened to scandals involving race and misogyny in some of our most trusted institutions, from educational institutions, to the media, to the medical community, to churches. I'm willing to bet that the past year has either been cathartic for you or you are looking for the light at the end of the tunnel because you need catharsis. But here is what I love about what Jesus shares here. For a grapevine, pruning, or catharos, produces growth. And the reason Jesus is using that as an illustration is that for us, catharsis produces growth. It's not a pretty process, and it can be painful, but ultimately, it makes for a stronger and more fruitful grapevine, and a stronger and more fruitful me and you. So if a grapevine produces grapes through pruning, what does Jesus, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, produce in us through this process of catharsis? Verse 10 and 11 of John 15 tells us, It is so that we will remain in His love, and our joy would be made complete. Through the work of the Spirit, with the earliest believers in Jesus, this idea gets drawn out more in the earliest days of the church. It becomes known as the fruit of the Spirit, which we read about in Galatians 5. And those are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And from the very beginning, Jesus' followers understood that to be best developed within the context of the church. A grapevine doesn't have just one grape on it, nor one cluster of grapes. It eventually has too many to number. And a Christian is connected to Jesus alongside other Christians through similar clusters, or what is called the church. And whatever the church is, it's more than a building, and it's more than a Sunday morning program on TV or the internet. The meaning of the word church is assembly, or gathering, or collection. Whatever that looks like for you, the scriptures tell us that it is a part of your spiritual growth and development. It is a part of you working the way you were built to work, just like a cell phone. Maybe that means as life begins to open back up, you look to plug into the life of First Baptist Church of Huntsville or another local church. Or maybe it means that you invite people into your life and into your home, and you make a community out of watching this program together. Whichever way you prefer, The point is, there are no solo grapes on the vine. 
The church is the connection God gives us to remain and to be pruned. But it is about the gathering, not the building that you might go to or the program you might watch. Now, it's also important to note, churches can overreach sometimes. They can be the source of a lot of hurt and pain, and people can utilize the church to wield their own destruction. And maybe this is where you fall. The people who have most hurt me have been members of churches. We've all certainly seen churches that have done or enabled harmful, immoral, and even illegal things. Those shouldn't be overlooked or easily forgotten. If you've been hurt by a community, I would encourage you to seek professional help from an organization like the Vine Counseling Center. But whatever church means, it means gathering. It means that you cannot do this alone. You weren't built to, not individually and not contained to your family union. And this is for your good. This is why therapy is effective, why groups like AA are effective, and why the church at its best is effective and beneficial and fruitful for you. The last thing Jesus wanted his followers to know before he was put to death was to remain, to stay connected to him and to each other. And that process would provide catharsis. It would prune them. It would sometimes be painful, but it would ultimately lead to their love and their joy being made more complete. And how can you grow in love when you remain alone or experience joy without the risk of pain? How do you grow in patience and kindness without doing your best to love people who drive you absolutely bananas? Keep your connection to the vine or to that cell tower and through it, your connection to Jesus and to others. And with that, you'll find catharsis in your life, healing, growth, and the blossoming and completeness of love, joy, and every other purpose for which you were intended.